7 sequel Jurassic Park by Minute Time. I'm Brad. I'm Nick. And today we're here to discuss Minute 96 of The Lost World. Dave, last minute you discussed uh, some of the goodies that have been coming your way. I was in my local Target uh, yesterday and um, one of the end caps was full of Jurassic World Lego, uh, Fallen Kingdom Lego. Um, awesome. Did you get any? I did, and it was awesome until I seen the prices. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, Lego is super expensive, especially when it's licensed stuff. I've been—I I like collecting some of the Star Wars stuff when it's sort of waiting for it to go on clearance or uh, just reduced on a sale, um, which it all is at the moment. Which <laughs> all the Star Wars stuff's got on on sale right when the Fallen Kingdom stuff's come out. But mm-hmm. um, I, I picked up three of the sets. More so for their playability and being able to interact them with the uh, the full, the Jurassic World stuff. I got the uh, the Carnosaur or the Carnotaurus and the abandoned Gyrosphere Station, which we talked when we yeah we talked when we seen that come out. Like I just love the vines covered the old Gyrosphere Station. Um, yeah, and and you get the Carnotaurus, even though it's just a T Rex with a modified head. I don't really care. <laughs> I got that. I got the. I guess the Dilophosaur set that comes with sort of a fence. Might be Dilophosaur feeding. You get the fence and that little crane on top. So again, you get a bit of a play set with the Dilophosaur again. Um, that can probably go alongside the Dominus Rex pen and that, and start making a little Lego park. But and I got the Stiggy Mullock breakout. I think it is that um, again. You got a couple of sections of fence. I think that one's got Doctor Wu. I didn't. I put them on lay-by, so I haven't actually picked them up yet. I can't have them uh, here to talk about, just because I've been spending too much money on figures. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll, I'll put it on lay-by and I'll pay it off over a couple of months. But um, I think we all yeah. been spending too much money yeah. <laughs> on Jurassic Park stuff. Yeah, well, I've I've still yet to find a job. I've um I've found something casual, but I I won't know until the end of next week how how the pay is. So if uh, that's going to be an ongoing thing or if I've got to look for something else, but uh, so yeah, I'm I'm on borrowed time, money wise at the moment. But uh, the the mansion was there. I it was it's retails here 189 dollars, which probably I think it's at the 149 mark for you over there. And just for what it is, a heap of minifigs, and just the mansion itself for a mansion. Just the rooms are too small. I just don't get the playability with it. It's something I will pick up when it's on clearance if it hangs around long enough. Um, yeah, I think uh, the Jurassic Collection was saying that as well when we when I talked to her. Yeah. She was saying that um, it's just not as much fun as she expected it to be. Yeah, yep. And I'm hoping it's sort of similar to the Lego Batman Batcave, um, which was the biggest set in that line that sort of sets did hang around to get to clearance. Unlike Jurassic World here, the Indominus Breakout and all that just sold and it never come back. So. Yeah. We'll see what the distribution's going to be like if they've made more. But I didn't get the, the blue and the helicopter. Just because it's the Lego City helicopter, I've got two. I've got a police one and a fire one. I don't need a blue one just because it's got the Jurassic World logo on it. Um, <laughs> and then you only get the blue dinosaur in a little cage that um, sort of opens up and you've got a little chicken in there to bait her in. But it just it, the playability wasn't really there and it doesn't really don't really need it for the rest of the the line but again i'll pick this stuff up if it goes on clearance yeah i used to be big into dress i mean lego and i i remember the jurassic park three lego stuff um when the 
when Lego was doing the movie studio sets. Yes, yep. They had the Jurassic Park 3, they had the Spinosaurus plane attack, and then it was something actually script-inspired, the, um, the, what was it, the Tronodons and the Velociraptors. Hmm. Yeah, I've had that Spinosaur plane attack save search on eBay for so long. <laughs> you see sets come up from time to time, but, God, they're expensive. Yeah, my neighbor actually got it for me when I was a kid. Yeah. She knew I was into Jurassic Park and I was into Lego, so I assume she she uh, felt that together I would have loved it, and honestly, I did. Yeah. Yep. Well, it, it was the first first sort of Lego that ever tied up in with Jurassic Park. There was nothing for Jurassic Park. There was nothing for the Lost World Lego-wise. It was only when Jurassic Park 3 come along where they must have got the license and Mm-hmm. were able to do those small sets. Um, I will say that they did sneak uh, the Lost World in Sora with their um, movie studio line. They did a Spielberg-sponsored uh, set, which had a green T-Rex chasing a red convertible. Oh, okay. With a baby with a baby T-Rex and two minifigures in it. Oh, wow. That'd be a great little set to have, too. I might have to search for that later. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what it was called, but, yeah, they did have that. Yeah. And, I mean, it's not officially licensed, but it's obviously inspired. Yeah. Because there's a, there's a lot, you like, you, you type in Lost World and Lego, there's a lot of people that have sort of done their own builds of the trailers, the trails hanging off the cliff. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen the Aviary from Jurassic Park 3. Just all these sort of sets, and there's sort of one thing you're hoping for with the Legacy series or whatever they're doing there with the new Lego stuff, but I sort of heard from one fan during the week that possibly because they've sort of put so much into that Velociraptor chase with the the hatchery, the kitchen, the control room, and the lab, Mm -hmm. um, that might be the only sort of vintage set or Jurassic Park set that they're going to make. Which I really hope it isn't. No. Yeah. Like, I want to get... I want to see the T-Rex escape. I want the explorers. I want the gates. (laughs) Yeah, the the gates are... I wanted the gates from... um... What was it? Entertainment Earth, I think that was, wasn't it? Uh, doing... The little one, yeah. Yeah, and they turned out to be like, what was it, like 120 bucks, And I was like, yeah, they're nice, but they're not $120 nice. Well, it's only four inches tall or something, too, or four inches tall. Yeah, but it wasn't very big. And I was like, I mean, I like it, but I can't justify the money. No. 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 And you see, like, the, the blocks exist. People have done fan modes of Lego Lego builds for ages with all this stuff, so... Mm-hmm. And surely it would sell. Like, we're, we're, this this Jurassic Park set might be just a gauge to see how well it sells, but you'd think that with their Fallen Kingdom and Jurassic World lines selling so well, they would have uh, already known that there's a market there for it. Yeah, really. So, it's a shame. I hope, I hope yeah, I hope it's not right and that uh, there's a lot more legacy stuff coming down the pipe. Right, this is all very thrilling, but I say we should push on to the village. While we're talking about Jurassic Park figures, something that did come in a couple of weeks ago, and I never mentioned uh, the pop vinyls, I ordered the uh, Dennis Nedry and Dilophosaur exclusive. Um, mm-hmm. I also ordered also ordered the uh, the sexy Ian Malcolm, like it's being called, <laughs> uh, that isn't here yet. But um, ah. I wasn't going to... Um, because I think they'll afford... They'll, 
they're more than what normal pop vinyls are at retail, obviously being exclusive. So I thought that uh, I can get them to now um, because if I do see them again at conventions or whatever else, they'll be expensive. Where your regular oh. pop vinyls are expensive, uh, about that ten to fifteen dollar mark here, um, which would probably be about oh. six to ten there. One thing I'm very happy that Pop Funko didn't do is make like any of the um, Jurassic Park exclusives con exclusives because they do yeah. that all the time. They'll they have they'll release an a list of stuff that's going to be Comic Con exclusive. Yeah. And I'm so happy that they didn't do that with Jurassic Park because those Comic Con exclusives sell out in like 20 minutes or less, and then you just never have a chance. I'm sure there might be something for Fallen Kingdom because its release date's going to be so close to Comic Con this year. But um, oh, that's possible, but yeah. But that's fine because but, I don't want to quote that. Such prices that there's no chance in getting one feasibly. Yeah. For a decent price. Yep. But see, even these ones being like the they're both or Malcolm especially was Target exclusive. Um, but just the the local comic shop or a comic shop here in Australia that's got him in um, and had pre-order up so I jumped on those two exclusives and then the Grant, the Mount, the, the Hammond the other ones I could just pick up for half the price is what the pre-order is later on I I don't see him disappearing anytime soon or that fast so I can wait for that to wait for that to happen and pick him up at a later time Speaking of Hammond I wonder if he's going to be a Wave 2 exclusive or not exclusive, but a Wave 2 item for Mattel's, um, for Mattel's Legacy line, because that's honestly a very wanted figure for Jurassic Park, you know? And it has been for a long time. Yeah, and we sort of skipped over. Um, we'd seen leaked images of that Legacy line with Muldoon, Sam, uh, Alan Grant, and Ellie Sattler, and then they pretty much, as soon as it leaked, they were announced, and we didn't really talk about it, but that um, yeah, the legacy characters, about the those figures, in a card back with a little, little compu or a little raptor in there with them. Um, Muldoon's got his Spaz Twelve, which is fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. I Grant's got um, a flare gun. Yeah, uh, yeah, it does. Which honestly, I mean, somebody chewed me out. It's it's he had a flare gun in Dress Park Three, so I can kind of justify it. But people were not having it. They were like, "Where is his flare?" <laughs> yeah, but you could have his sunk, his glasses in his hand too after he rips them off after seeing the brachiosaur. Like you could do yeah. a couple of different things. There's no one iconic thing. Well, I suppose the oh, flare is pretty iconic. His watch on his wrist. I was surprised to see that detail. I'm like, oh my god, they actually got his watch on there. You know? Mm. Yeah. It's not that's... just painted on; it's sculpted on too. Yeah. Yep. So it's just fantastic we're seeing these, and for the most part they look they look good too. I think one thing they've tried to do is paint the eyes um, on Grant, especially it sort of looks a little bit off. But the figures look fantastic. It just makes you wonder what Wave Two is going to be, um, or Series Two well, if it's. I know that there's going to be Ian Malcolm. He was teased. So yeah, yeah. He's going to happen. I'm, what the rest of it is, I'm not sure yet. Yeah. And we've got we've got sexy Malcolm in the pop vinyls. I don't I, I don't want a sexy Malcolm figure in the uh, in the actual figure line that might take the, the spot up of a Dennis Nedry or a Hammond or even a Ray Arnold. Um, 
or Joffrey. <laughs> just, yeah, I, I just I like those, you know. Yeah, Honestly, yep. I mean, if we're gonna go there, let's go there. You know, let's not hold backs. That's it. And if I've got a if I've got a um, a Muldoon and a Joffrey, then I can finally build a um, Velociraptor cage or holding pen. <laughs> it's finally got figures that can scale with it, so you build it as big as you can. But um, yeah, it's just great. Like we've only seen the tip of the iceberg for what Mattel's going to do going yeah. forward, um, and they've, they've said that it's going to be an ongoing line. That it's not going to be just one or two waves when the film comes out then nothing for another three years until the third film it's going to be something constantly coming out much like Star Wars is, does yeah which is great and another thing I love is that they were able that everything that um, that Mattel has put out almost all of it I was able to find in stores yeah yep. the only thing I haven't found in store is the is the super colossal and even then, I did find the battle damage version, so mm. it's it just wasn't the version that I wanted. You know, the distribution on these toys have been, has been phenomenal, and that's something that Hasbro honestly is terrible with. They don't do just they can't do distribution for anything, not even their own lines. Star Wars, My Little Pony, Transformers, all of it. They always do shelf. I mean, you'll see the same shelf warmers sitting on the shelf for months, and then. Maybe you'll uh, find the figure that you want a couple months after the line has been released, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe the, the super colossal thing might be just the fact that there's such a large figure. Oh, I'm sure. They might not have the dedicated dedicated shelf space for it. Yeah, I'm sure present. that's a contributing factor to it as well, yeah. Because yeah, I've seen, even with some of the, uh, the Star Wars stuff, like the, uh, I think it's the Hoth base set and the big TIE fighter, um... That stuff was actually put over on shelves in the audio section where the TVs and all were, just because the boxes were so big, they wouldn't fit yeah. in the in the Lego aisles. So um, that could be another oh. thing too. I know I know with some lines over here, when you've got those massive figures, they end up on end caps or um, in different areas, just in um, sort of walkways and that of stores away from where the actual other figures in the line are, just because of their size. Yeah, usually so. they do. I remember the six-inch Tide Fighter from Hasbro. I actually saw only one of in um, at Toys R Us, and it just stayed there. It just never was never bought. I think it still might be there. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I worked for them like uh, two years ago, and the last time I was in there, I think I still I saw it on the shelf. Mm-hmm. The electronic BB-8 toy for um, that we saw at Kohl's. We got like. Two or three of them, and they're just sitting on the end cap next to the TVs because, I mean, we don't really have, we can't fit them in the toy section. We have a small toy section, and it ain't gonna fit there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I remember yeah. one one large figure yeah. here. I brought um, same thing. Um, I got a PM from a, another fan in the area that said it's there. Go and get it. So I went to go in and checked where the normal line goes and couldn't find it, I've gone, oh, damn, and it was on a end cap up with the baby prams and strollers, with a couple of the other clearance items as well, just nowhere near, <laughs> nowhere near the toy section, I was just, so, if you are out there looking for stuff, especially the super colossal T-Rex and the, even the Mosasaur as well, just, if, uh, if it's not in the regular toy section, it might be elsewhere, elsewhere in the, uh, in the, in the shop, 
Mm-hmm. I think that if you're going somewhere specifically to find a figure, I think it's always easy to just go to the help desk and say, hey, do you have this in? Point me in oh, the, the direction. The Mosasaurus and the Super Classical I've only seen in the toy section, but yeah, that's good advice. Mm-hmm. But honestly, the um, Mosasaurus, it's because it's such a large figure and it's been so coveted, I didn't expect to find it. Yeah. I was very surprised when I walked into Walmart and I saw it sitting on the shelf. I was like, okay, gotta get it. Or not. <laughs> gotta grab it before somebody else does. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, it's just been such a popular figure. It's so large. And because of that, they've only, they, even my Walmart only stocked two of them. Yeah. And I grabbed the one of the two there. Yeah. And it's something that was only a, if you're lucky to get the original for Jurassic World, um, you could otherwise now it's stupid expensive so if you want a motor in your collection and honestly i've been having trouble selling it but just because even though my prices are lower than most of the others people just i mean it's hasbro and then there's also the fact that um the new motor is so much better yeah yep yeah so that's our that's been our collecting <laughs> our collecting corner for the week um NFL, else we want to bring up there before we get into minute 96? No, I think we covered that pretty well. Awesome. All right. As we ended on minute 95 of the Lost World, the survivors reached the helicopter on the helipad at the operations building and were flown to safety. Anything was telling Kelly that it's okay and it's over now. As we open on minute 96, the camera cuts back to reveal Nick. He raises his hand and shows off two slugs that he stole from Roland's gun and says, well, that's one souvenir they won't be taking with them. At 95 minutes and 15 seconds, we cut back to the jungle, illuminated by helicopter searchlights. Men abseil down as Lonto starts to talk in the background to another hunter. At 95 minutes and 23 seconds, the camera pans slowly left to reveal the Trenosaur, sleeping in a steel structure, captured. At 95 minutes and 32 seconds, Lonto notices Roland seated by the Trenosaur, and comes running over. He continues, You've probably saved InGen. This animal and its baby will single-handedly bail us out. Roland congratulates Ludlow, then looks back to the ground, clearly saddened. At 95 minutes and 55 seconds, Ludlow notices Roland's upset and asks him, What's the matter? And as minute 96 ends, Roland replies, He didn't make it, RJ, and gets to his feet. As we say in the end of 95, the survivors had got to the helicopter and were uh, evacuating the island uh, Ian consoled Kelly and telling her it's okay, it's over now as the camera pulls back and we see Nick sitting beside them um, he holds up his hand and he's got the two slugs from Roland's gun he says, uh, well that's one, survive- uh, one souvenir they won't be taken with him um, uh, little does he know they are <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, we're going to wait until the next minute to see that But uh, yeah, he sort of lowers his hands and lets them roll off and uh, they clunk on the floor of the helicopter quite loudly. <laughs> yeah, when I was a kid, I always thought those were like AA batteries because they were just so <laughs> big, large, and heavy. I was like, I mean, I was a kid. I had no reference for what they were. Yeah, well, they're, they're bigger. They're, they're bigger than double A's. They're almost C's. Just I know. Massive slugs. that I would just love to hear that gun fire once in the film, but unfortunately it doesn't. <laughs> but it just sort of lends two to the to the sabotage that Nick done to Roland's gun earlier. We've seen him sort of look at it an mm-hmm. eye off back when they uh, rested on the trek. 
And then uh, Roland tried to fight a Tyrannosaur and click, click, open the breach and pull out the two empty shells. It's just interesting that he kept them. Obviously, yeah. for, obviously for this line. Later, he knew he was going to be in the helicopter <laughs> and <laughs> need to say a cool ending line. But uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately, it's also his last speaking role in the film and it's uh, pretty much the last time we see Nick as well. Except for the next minute when they look out the helicopter as they're flying over the Tyrannosaur. But... Uh, we cut down to the forest. Ludlow's voiceover, find the infant Tyrannosaur. Roland can show you where the nest is. And we mm-hmm. see men abseiling down from an unseen helicopter. Uh, eight in total, there's two waves of four that abseil down. Then Ludlow walks past and on the screen, uh, talking to a hunter beside him, but he's also got something in his hand that we see him put in his pocket in a little bit here. I don't know if it's a radio or it looks more like a digital note-taker, but yeah. as we pan past some lights, we see the... Uh, Rex, and he continues, I want it on my jet and taken directly to the infirmary at the complex in San Diego. And hurry up, would you? I'd love to be airborne before the female knows we're here. So a lot a lot here. Um, we see all the floodlights, the generators, the, the light towers, all this infrastructure in place, which sort of makes you wonder how long it's been since uh, Roland brought the Rex down and then the uh, survivors sort of, and then their, their antics in the worker village. There's a there's a helicopter on a helipad or parked over in the background. Um, they've got all this infrastructure in place. They've got the Tyrannosaur in its cage. Well, pipe framing. It's not really a cage. It's just sort of something to keep it keep it in one place. And then he wants Lolo wants a baby on his jet and taken directly to the infirmary at San Diego. Does that imply that the jet's at the airfield? I would imagine so. Yeah. Hmm. Which is kind of interesting because, I mean, the um, layout it would suggest that it's actually a different spot from this area, but possibly that they landed in the long grass as well. I mean, I, that's something to consider. Yeah. Well, the, I think the Tyrannosaur is still in the creek. Yeah, as, it is. As, as Lolo walks behind it, you can see a massive fallen redwood that... Um, there's two hunters sort of looking at there's a light above it and they're looking at some maps or some large sheets of paper there anyway maybe it's the schematics for the cage that the rex is enclosed in but um yeah i just found that found that interesting that he wanted on his jet because i don't see the helic i don't see them going to costa rica here this is direct costa uh sauna to california mm-hmm There'd be too many questions asked if they landed at San Jose Airport or or San Jose <laughs> Airport <laughs> with uh, baby Rex. But um, mm-hmm. but now we get to see Roland sort of seated beside the Rex, uh, sitting there with his head down. And um, Ludlow comes over and calls out to Roland. And this is where he sort of puts that little silver note-taker or whatever it is in his jacket pocket. So I don't know what was going on there, but... Um, because the, the hunter that was following him sort of walks off here as well and goes over and talks to someone else. But Ludlow sort of starts to talk to Roland. You've probably saved InGen. We lost everything we come after on this trip, but this animal and its infant will single-handedly bail us out. Um, which Ludlow replies, uh, Roland replies, congratulations. And um, Ludlow, all bubbly, you got your trophy, buck only. And he squats down in front of Roland and says, uh, but it's alive and everyone on the planet will line up to appreciate and everything you've done for it. And again, here while he's sort of talking to him, you can see those workmen on that log in the background sort of working with those, um, looking at those maps or those documents. And uh, 
you get to see a couple of hunters here walking around too, holding Space 12s, mm-hmm. which is a good little callback to Jurassic Park. Um, just so it's sort of a weapon that InGen regularly uses. Yeah. Another thing I like here is how you can see with the tarp over the um, T-Rex, you can also see that it's breathing still. I mean, heavily, and you can see the nostrils working. You can see the uh, tarp on the tent moving up and down. Mm. Yeah, well, this is the the front section animatronic that they used early on the trails that they've set up on the deck here. And um, it's a shame that tarp's there because I've seen some concept art of tra- like large pheropods like that laying down, and it's always sort of on the side with their legs out. I'm not quite sure how the hips work, <laughs> if it can just lay down. I know in Trespasser how it works, and it looks like the hips are broken, but um, just just how a Trenosaur can sort of lay down on its, on its belly like this and have its legs mm-hmm. either kicked forward or laying directly, I'd assume they're directly behind it, but um, just how the and anatomy the, works. And the concept art, they actually have it shown more like... Um, they have it shown more like it's even when as far as conceptual maquette as well it's kind of laying on his stomach but then the hips the legs are swung out to only one side yeah yeah but again it's just fantastic like seeing Roland here with Floodline just the size of the Tronosaur beside him or behind him um, gives good scale but um, it's only now when Ludlow notices that Roland's upset and he asks him what's the matter and Roland replies, RJ, he didn't make it. And um, he grabs his gun case and stands. And Budlow says he's sorry and looks down to the ground. Um, we don't get his rebut. Uh, he's coming back in a minute. But um, it's interesting here, Roland's got his gun case back. We didn't see that. We haven't seen that since he assembled his gun back during the hunt or during the uh, animal roundup. Mm-hmm. He, he never had a use just carrying the gun itself during the trek. Um across the island, so it's just interesting that here it's back again. And it's the same case. Yeah, it is. It is weird. I never noticed that before. I always thought it was a small suitcase, I guess. Yeah, which makes, again, makes me wonder, has, in the meantime, has um, the InGen Rescue Party or whatever been to the previous camp? These are the same generators and light towers that were there. Have they scavenged stuff, more stuff from there that they didn't carry across the island with them and brought it to here. Um, it just, yeah, there's a lot of crew, a lot of helicopters, a lot of equipment here for for a rescue helicopter coming in to pick everyone up. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and there's not even, I mean, Huey's are a lot smaller than you imagine, and mm. so it's just a lot more than you could carry on that, you know? Yeah, well, there's no way any of those Hueys are carrying that Tyrannosaur to the boat or whatever to the venture um it's it's sort of one thing michael crichton does in the original novel is um the rvs are in large shipping containers and they're bolted to the boat or attached to the bottom of hueys to fly to the island now a huey would have a hard time flying a loaded 20 or 40 ton 40 foot container let alone having a vehicle in it um they're just not a massive cargo lift aircraft that's what the Chinooks for, and we've seen them carrying the Unimogs um, mm-hmm. when InGen arrived on the island. Now, again, again, that I still think that would have been an advanced party with Ludlow on that, and a camp was established at the dock with the venture, and that's where all this is coming from. It has to be. It's never explained, but 
It's just it's just a shame here because it sort of it removes removes uh, removes you from the film a little bit. But um, that's um that's minute ninety six. Uh, anything on that you want to get to before we get to the shooting script? Uh, no, I think we covered it. All right. Um, firstly, the San Diego pre San Diego script. Um, <clears throat> as we ended in ninety uh, five, um, the survivors been scattered everywhere trying to get the chopper at the end of the main street. Um, Sarah was doing her thing in the kiln shed. Nick had pulled Ian into the nearest building to evade a raptor, which is the workers' hotel. And Kelly was still hiding under the piece of shed in the middle of the street. Um, but we get inside the workers' hotel with Ian and Nick, and uh, it's described um, four stories high with a spiring staircase in the lobby, which sounds a lot like the uh, visitor centre lobby, um, just the way the yeah. stairs sort of spiral around the wall and go up the four stories high, which... Um, it's sort of weird, like back when they first come over the ridge and look down on the operations building, uh, on the worker village, their operations building four stories tall was the largest and building that stood out in the worker village. Mm-hmm. And now now we've got the helicopter on a three-story squat building at one end of the compound. We've got this hotel, which is four stories tall as well. Um, it just seems like they, they haven't stayed consistent with the worker village. Um, in and the... Original script, the uh, kiln house wasn't actually the kiln house. It was part of the hotel. Yeah. It was so that may be what they're measuring because it was quite a tall structure. Yeah. Yep. And again, like even in the in the film, the operations building, you could call it four stories or three stories if you include the helipad as well. So mm-hmm. um, it just might be we might be interpreting different to what they're actually going to build, but. Um, Nick tells uh, Ian tells Nick that they can't stay here. It's a single-walled construction, basically a shack, which is a good little callback to the novel where they're all held up in the gas station mm-hmm. uh, as morning dawns after the Carnotaurs have been there and uh, the raptors are starting to come in to the village. But um, he, as he's sort of tapping his hand on the walls, um, a raptor flies in the door, sending splinters around the lock and... Um, the raptors come into the building again. Good little callback to the novel. Um, yeah, uh, they ram into the gas station. And they just kind of tear it to shreds. Yeah, and we we talked during the uh, sliders episode with the uh, like the building when we're talking about the inside of the uh, boarding house. How it had all the gaps mm-hmm. between the the planks of wood. Um, and you're sort of bringing up how it's sort of same thing in Pirates of the Caribbean. And I said same in Jumanji. Well. It was sort of the same in that gas station where it was just sort of planks of wood with gaps. When the sun started coming up, the light was shining in through those gaps. And uh, when the raptors arrived on the scene, they made short work of getting inside that gas station, just mm-hmm. leaping through the uh, the planks of wood. But, um, but the uh, the raptor sort of comes in, lands on Malcolm, they have scuffle around a little bit. He, Malcolm's got the dark gun in his hand and the raptor's closed its jaws over the barrel of it and Malcolm pulls the trigger and sort of tranquilizes the raptor but unfortunately its jaws are locked shut and they can't get the gun out of its jaws um so they uh they make for the roof go up the stairs and end up on the roof and for some reason at this point the hotel's on fire now i don't there was nothing in the script that uh, that says why but it's just as they get to the roof um they're now on the roof of the burning hotel which (laughs) does make a lot of sense but um okay (laughs) <laughs> yeah, which I suppose it would have been good lighting up the whole area, especially for what we get with the pterosaurs later, but or the pterodons later. But um, 
they run over the side and realise the gap's too wide to jump to the next building. There are only three roofs away from the helicopter now. But there's a power pole that they push over and um, it straddles the beam, straddles the gap and they walk across it balance beam style. And um, mm-hmm. as they get onto the next roof, they sort of look back and see another raptor's emerge at the top of the staircase to the roof and it's a bit hesitant. It doesn't want to come out onto the roof at all. It sort of comes out and ducks back in again. Um, and Malcolm sees this and sort of notices and uh, thinks something's wrong here and he looks down at the roof of the building they're on and notices a lot of debris being organised into uh, circular patterns as well which is mm-hmm. again we've just gotten these little clues that uh, there's something else going on here that's um, not just the raptors that are the danger there's something else and the raptors know it too but uh, they look across the street and can see Sarah emerge out on the roof of the kiln shed and then everything there happens the same as in the uh, in the film with her uh, outsmarting the raptor and throwing tiles down. Um, and uh, she falls down through the roof, through the hole in the roof, and um, she sort of rolls out of the main street in the muddy. Ian and Kelly aren't there to meet her, but Ian sort of realises at this point that Kelly's not with her and uh, starts to panic a bit. And um, that's where we'll leave it here for uh, the uh, pre San Diego script. Um, oh, in the shoot. This is uh, coming up next. We do get Kelly's gymnastics sh- uh, spot. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I'm just just trying not to go on for 20 minutes of talking about the script, sort of leave it little bits, because especially the pre San Diego one, we've only got a couple more pages of script left before the film ends. Yeah. Um, True. And we're going to have a couple of minutes up here where we've got half the minutes just a helicopter flying into San Diego and that, so. Um, but on the shooting script side of things, uh, the team in the chopper heading home, much like we see in the film, but again, instead of uh, cutting to Rowan and Ludlow doing their little thing down with the captured Tyrannosaur, they fly over and Kelly look, uh, Sarah looks out the window like one last time and sees the uh, Tyrannosaur, and um, Malcolm says we've lost, knowing that um, InGen have got the dinosaur and going to be taking it back to the mainland with them. Mm-hmm. And, um yeah, so next minute we'll get into the uh, the overdosing and Ludlow getting all panicked because the uh, Roland shot it with two darts. Mm-hmm. But um, that's 96, done. Anything else you want to bring up before we get heavy for the week? No, I think we did that pretty well. All right. All right, guys, let's get the hell out of here. Contact details are on the website, thelostworldminute.com. Email feedback to thelostworldminute at gmail.com, Facebook, The Lost World Minute, Twitter at The Lost World Minute, and Instagram, The Lost World Minute. Easy to remember. Yeah, yeah, very easy to remember. Right. <laughs> uh, David, thank you for joining me for this recording. And uh, we'll be back. I've been Brad. I'm Dave. And uh, we'll talk to you all later. Goodbye. Talk to you later. Bye. It is absolutely imperative that we work with the Costa Rican Department of Biological Preserves to establish a set of rules for the preservation and isolation of that island. These creatures require our absence to survive, not our help. And if we could only step aside and trust in nature, life will find a way.